Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. I am Edwina Oliver, your licensed life insurance agent, financial educator. Um, it's February 18th, 2021, and it's 10 o'clock a.m. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. First of all, I want to just say I am so grateful to my listeners. <gasps> First and foremost, I appreciate you guys more than you know. Thank you for joining me. Um, you know, I just kind of started this show and I just went up, just started talking into my phone and I've come this far. Um, I know that we are on season three and this is going to be episode two. Um, I'm kind of all over the place with the episodes too. So I apologize. And again, I thank you guys for sticking in here with me it is black history month and i know a lot of people are doing the history of black history <laughs> and i think that that is so important because we have to know where we come from you know um, just like with any story it it's important to where they came from um to where their their outcome um, will take them Um, so I want to talk about today, wealthy African-Americans or wealthy black people in America. (laughs) Okay. Um, there are not a lot. Okay. Famous, rich, though that those are different things than wealth. Wealth is a net worth, a what you're worth, everything that you have, not just the money that's coming in, but the money that is due to come in, right? Um, So I'm just going to give out one of our most famous wealthy African-Americans. You all know her by the name of Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey um, nets about $3.1 billion. Um, You know, you know, Oprah is the second billionaire, African-American billionaire. Um, Her full, let's see. So we've got Aliko Degonte, 3.3 billion. We have Oprah Winfrey, um, it's giving me two different numbers for her, at 2.5 billion. Patrice Mostepi at 2.4 billion. And Mo Ibram? at 2.5 billion and Bob Johnson at 1 million. I apologize, 1 billion for Bob. Okay. So there are only seven black billionaires in the United States. (laughs) Seven, seven. I did not pull a statistic for how many black people there are in the United States, but I know that there's more than seven. (laughs) Okay. I know that there's more than seven. Um, why does it why is Edwina focusing on this? You ask. Why for the last year and a half, two years, has Edwina been focused on kind of telling us about money and rich people and wealth? Um, well, for a lot of reasons. I feel like education is super important. What you don't know, you won't know, right? Um, so I think it's important to know who where the wealth is 
Um, I heard on the news this morning that Nancy Pelosi, who I do adore Nancy Pelosi, however, um, I heard that she's talking about something about reparations. Okay? Reparations for African American people. And I thought, well, geez. They barely can get the stimulus check out. So, and a stimulus check that's worth anything to the American people. Um, reparations. What a distraction. So, to my black and brown folk, do not be distracted by another ploy, I think, to to manipulate and have your attention. Um, sure, you can say all they all mean well, but I think it's really important that at this junction in life that we take responsibility for our traumas and our dramas. Heal ourselves. Heal ourselves and move forward. Will Smith said, you must protect your light with your life. And your light is your passion. Your light is your dream. Your light, light is your goals and everything that you set forth to be. You got to protect that with your life, which means if it means not telling anybody your ideas, don't just move on them. It doesn't matter. You don't need to have anybody else's approval about what you're going to do because most likely 100% of the time, your closest friends, your family, they are not going to be in your corner um, because they're going to be speaking to you through their own fear, through their own doubt. So it's important for you to protect your ambitions and goals and confidence by just kind of lock and key, but, but be on that mission. Um, Oprah did not become rich by just doing her show on CBS. I believe it was CBS at the time, CBS or NBC. Channel 7, it used to be Channel 7, she used to come on after Donahue. I remember my grandma used to watch Oprah religiously. And she used to watch Donahue religiously. Some of you don't even know who Donahue is. But um, we don't know who he is anymore, do we? Right? So he didn't become a billionaire on a talk show. Oprah had to do more things. She had to widen her, um, her road. Right? Oprah was told, you're too ugly, you're too black, you're a woman, like you're not going to have your own show, so get over that. But she does have her own show. She has her own network, (laughs) right? Right? You see where I'm going with this? It's not just about the money that you make. It isn't. We all could have great paying jobs, okay? We make $100,000 a year. I'm going to burst a lot of people's bubble right now who are probably doing very well at a hundred, a hundred plus thousand dollars a year, right? Well, in the next 20 years with inflation and tax, that money that you're needing, that you make a year is gonna have to, to double, if not triple. So do you see your employer giving you that money Now, if you own your own business, you surely can put in a plan and start working toward that, right? Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, But you have to have a plan. And you have to, I'm going to use Oprah again. Um, She had a show. The network tried to stop her 
from really having what she needed to grow, right? I hope you guys cannot hear that blower. Um, <laughs> HOA's way of sweeping things up. Um, so she decided, I need my own network. I need my own network. And I'll put on my own shows, and my show will be one of them. I also need a magazine. I'm going to go ahead and put my face on the cover of a magazine every single month. Right? <laughs> You know, if you don't know, magazines are costing like 15 bucks, $20 at the store. Woo! And it's not marked, honey. It'll be a surprise when you get that in the cart. Right? So just to give you an example, I'm just going to read a little bit of a report. Um, It's not easy for anyone to become a billionaire in America. Okay? But it's likely even harder if you're black and brown, I'm going to say. Um... Only seven of the United States, 614 billionaires. Woo, 614 billionaires. Only seven, baby, are African-Americans. So now we we can see how, how wealth is distributed a little bit, right? It's hard to become a billionaire. It ain't easy, okay? But out of 614 billionaires in the United States of America, only seven, seven, are African-American. We have to do better. We have to do better. Okay? It doesn't just start with us. We can't keep having our generation start from the ground up. I'm going to use my own personal story. Um, Some of you may know me well enough to know my story, and some of you may know me well enough to know you had no idea. (laughs) Because I didn't talk about it. I went to school with a smile on my face. I wore a mask every day, no matter how I was feeling. And this is why it's it's so important for us to heal our drama and our traumas because we're passing that down to our children every generation. And without passing down any kind of wealth, what are we doing? We're just passing down drama and trauma? Oh my, oh me, oh my. We have to do better. We have to do better for ourselves. There's one thing that you have control of, and that is yourself. You have control of yourself. You have a choice. You have a choice to heal. You have a choice to stay in pain. (laughs) And it's hard. It is hard. I am someone who has struggled with depression. I have struggled with other people having an issue with my weight. (laughs) And I'll get into that on another podcast because I think it's important. Um, but I have struggled, um, (laughs) everything I wanted to do, whether it was playing basketball, I was compared, I was, um, challenged in ways other kids weren't challenged. Um, by the time I was in high school, we had moved to Lincoln Avenue from Terra Linda. And, you know, at this point we didn't have a backyard anymore. There was nowhere for me to really practice playing basketball unless I went to the park or I was at the gym and I unlike a lot of my teammates had a part-time job that started after school it was at Sears and it, it, it they reluctantly gave me time to practice for basketball on Saturday mornings off 
but um, I had to go to my job. Um, my coaches definitely made that hard for me, guilt trip me that I had to go to work and I had to go to work at 15. I had to pay for my tampons. I had to pay for my deodorant. I had to pay for my lunch at school. I had to pay for my clothes that I wore to school. <laughs> because my mom would say she could not afford it. Worst mantra ever. I cannot afford it. I cannot afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I mean, OMG. At 11 years old, I started babysitting for the kids across the street. And some kids down the street, and uh, me and my friend Barbara actually ended up kind of having a babysitter's club. We covered each other when we couldn't, when I couldn't babysit, she would babysit. Um, that, I'm gonna say that was our first business. And nobody really even knows about that, you know what I mean? Like, we started a business at 11 years old, uh, the two of us, babysitting and we were damn good at it. And that babysitting job really took us into our teenage years before we got our first real jobs. So at 11 years old, I saved up my money. I wanted a 10 speed bike. My mom said, I can't afford it. If I buy you one, I'm gonna have to buy your sister one. And then your brother's gonna want one. I thought to myself, that has nothing to do with me, but okay. So I saved my money. I made $5 an hour and I babysat and I babysat for the whole summer. By the end of the summer, I was ready to buy my bike. I don't know if any of you remember that home uh, appliance store that used to be at the Northgate Mall, um, but they sold bikes too. Real interesting place. I, I forget what it's called, but I know Barbara worked there and a few other people worked there. Tiffany, um, I think Rosie worked there. So if you guys are listening, um, send me a comment remind me what the name of that store was where the whippets were <laughs> and you know i bought my bike i assembled my bike i had my bike and then my mom made me share my bike <laughs> right who was she teaching a lesson in that moment <laughs> i don't think that it was even a thought you know, what was actually inspiring, what, what, what was happening at that moment. You teach me how to work hard, save my money, and then you can get what you want. But you have to share it too, because I'm still gonna be in control, right? But I can't afford it, but I'm gonna tell you what to do with it. So the point of that story is that a lot of times, parents are in the way. Um, in 2012, my son came to me, he was 12 years old, he said, Mom, I know you're struggling because I learned the same mantra my mom taught me. I can't afford it, right? Said it all the time, said it all the time, and that's a mantra. So you, you just make that manifest. You can't afford it. And so my son came to me, he says, Mom, there's this company called Amazon. They do something called drop shipping. And he proceeded to explain what drop shipping was to me in 2012. <laughs> now, let me look up. Let's, let's look up the details of it all, right? Let's see. Um, Amazon drop shipping. In 2012, 
this was like the very start of it all, right? Um, there was no course on it. It was pretty straightforward. You would basically create a page for this product and it was your responsibility to kind of promote it. And it was something that Amazon already carried. So maybe, excuse me, it was a book or something like that. Cause Amazon was big with the books at that time. They just really started branching out to other items, right? And they brought up this drop shipping model. Um, so drop shipping basically is allowing a third party to fulfill orders to customers on your behalf. It's generally, it's generally acceptable. Um, if, and you just have to make sure that you've got access to the merchandise when you're taking payment, that you're fulfilling that order and you're going to, let's say the Walmart site and placing an order and sending it through. Um, that's kind of how that works, right? So my son comes to me, he's 12 years old. He says, mom, this is what, what, you know, Jeff Bezos is doing. This is what they're doing at Amazon. People are making a lot of money says to me I said well what do you need to start he talks about the debit card some other details and because I was ignorant to it I brushed it off I don't know what you're talking about I need real money I need a real career yada yada bop bop in that moment not only did I discredit my son's knowledge and how smart and innovative he was I destroyed an opportunity that was really placed before me so beautifully. I didn't have to think about it. Someone presented to me. I just totally looked over it because I didn't know. I didn't look into it. I gave it not another thought. Well, fast forward. <laughs> Amazon becomes one of the biggest distributors in the world, right? And I sit back and I remember that day and I go, oh my God, my son is so smart. At that moment, at that moment, I, I was in my 30s. My son was definitely a teenager at this point, kind of moving on to his own. He moved out at 16. He was able to, he's a you know penny trader. He's so good. He really was able to be his own man at 16. And shoot, you know, when you've got a parent that just is stuck in their own way, it's really hard to grow. <laughs> so with that being said, <laughs> Here I was kind of stifling growth for our family, for our legacy, because I was used to doing things my way or what I was told, what I was taught, what I had seen. But I was taught and shown all those things from people who are not millionaires, people who are not billionaires, people who are not uh, business owners. No offense to my family. I love you. However, our lack of creating a generational wealth funnel in my eyes is, is it's, it's inappropriate. It's unacceptable. It really, really is. It's unacceptable. Um, parents have to learn to get out of their kids way. And this goes for this whole epidemic that we're having right now where kids are at home with their parents. <laughs> parents once again, and these are people my own age acting old as snow, okay? Unwilling to be flexible, unwilling to really back their kids. For example, if your kid is struggling right now with online schooling, he, was, he or she was struggling at school, in class, when you couldn't see them struggling, 
right? You just hear from the teacher that they're struggling or they're kind of making it by, they're kind of passing it off, or it's working out somehow, but they're sliding by, they're not interested, they're not um, being challenged in any way, and they're not really learning anything for the future. I mean, let's be freaking honest. My high school diploma did zip, zap, nothing for me. Nobody asked for it again after I, I uh, signed up for college. And get this, no one has asked me for those college degrees either that I went into debt for. <laughs> went into debt for in my 30s, mind you. I went back to school like a fool instead of staying focused on my path that I was already on, making great money as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Back then, you know, in the early 2000s, you say the word entrepreneur, people were like, you're crazy. You're not, you're crazy. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to succeed. You need to get a real job. So bad. So bad. You know? So with that being said, I know that in the black community, some things are different. Some things are the same. But I know (laughs) that we all had to deal with probably harsh parents that were overly opinionated And trying to give us better than they had. At the same time, they were stifling our growth because they moved in something called fear. Fear and doubt, right? There's no place for fear and doubt when you're trying to make a million dollars. Second of all, you don't need to take advice from anybody who is not making that kind of money. They're not going to lead you on the the right path. You know, you need to take take advice from people who are where you want to be. And whether that's listening to them on social media um, or trying to get a mentorship with some of them if you could ever be so blessed that's the way to go owning your own business is essential to survival as of now COVID-19 has brought in a change of the guard that was going to happen regardless I think you know a lot of people thought maybe 2025 we'll definitely have our flying cars and yeah yeah They're not making gas cars anymore. GM has stopped making gas cars. BMW has stopped making gas cars, baby. They have switched over to electric batteries and everybody's getting their batteries together. The change has already happened. The nine to five job is dead. It's dead, okay? So to, and I say this as a mother of a grown child who is 21 years old and I've got three under three right now. So I'm not just shooting stuff out of my mouth. I literally am telling you my journey as it's happening. And all I can do is just say it out loud and maybe the person who needs to hear it will hear it and they will make a change in their life. Um, Stop pushing your kids (sighs) to go to school. Okay, so I know some of you just fell off your chair and you're like, oh my God, she's so crazy. She's just out there. If your kid is soaring and excelling in school and that works for them, let that work for them. But my advice to you when your kid is struggling in school is to take 10 steps back. If they're old enough to take the GED, do that. Finish them out on independent study so that you don't have to wait for the teacher. Okay, there's independent study. In Marin, Nova is amazing. And Dixie School District actually has a really good independent study program that they won't tell you about. But they tell you about when you're a teenager that got pregnant. That's where those girls go, right? But there is a program at Terralinda High School on the second floor, all the way down past the 200 um, 
hallway upstairs, there's empty classrooms or were empty classrooms. Well, in one of those classrooms where I used to go every day at 10 o'clock when I'd come back from break, I would finish off my day up there and finish off my classes up there. Half my friends didn't even notice. They didn't even notice I was gone. Um, And after I was done with that by noon, I would go to work. And I worked for a hedge fund company at 16, 17 years old. Okay? So, little bit about me that way is I've been in the financial business for a long time. I was in mortgage banking for over 12 years and then back to hedge funding for another five before 2008 bottomed up. And that's when I knew things had to change a little bit. Um, So, back to the seven billionaires in America. <laughs> um, in 1992, the median net worth for a white family was 100000 and above. Um, for a black family, um, okay, so for a white family, their, their median household or net worth was $100,000 above that of a black family. So by 2016, the median white family was making about $152,000 more than its black counterpart. Um, During this period, the median wealth of a white family grew over $50,000, and the median of a black family didn't grow at all. It didn't grow at all. You wonder why it didn't grow? Because black people, (laughs) you know, will get money, and then they want to go buy... Jordans. They want to spend $100, $200 a pop on some tennis shoes. They want to buy Jordans. They want uh, jewelry. They want name, ba- name brand bags. Shake my head. Shake my head. I've never been one for name brands. I have one name brand bag now and I'm, I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> and nobody wants it. <laughs> name brand bags. I never wanted one because I never pictured my, I'm a purse girl. I'd be running through purses. I want to change my purse over per outfit if I can, um, per situation. Spending thousands of dollars on a bag just never made sense to me. Spending $100 on shoes never made sense to me. Now, I'm, I might spend a couple hundred on some orthopedic shoes now that I know what plantar fasciitis is. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Um, what I really wanted was to be successful really wanted was to be successful I felt like that would be my freedom um and it will be and and it is in a lot of ways I'm not as successful as I I still want to be but I am successful in my own right um I've come a long way I have a lot of knowledge under my belt and um I consider myself a sleeping giant (laughs) the Trojan horse baby I'm coming So don't sleep on me too hard. You know what I'm saying? Don't sleep on me too hard. Take some of this advice that I'm throwing out at you. Um, One of the things that lack in my family is life insurance policies. And this is why black wealth don't grow, doesn't grow. People pass away, whether it be early or timely or whatever. They pass away and, and there's no money for anybody's funeral. So then it becomes a pool for funeral costs. Funerals are not cheap. 
And and it costs eleven thousand dollars about to to claim your your family's body from the hospital if that's where they are when they pass away. Um, it's about seven thousand dollars to cremate, and without an urn or anything, you're given those those remains in a plastic bag in a cardboard box. And right now, what I'm about to say is morbid. People don't want to hear about this, but these are facts. This is what you don't want your family dealing with in your loss. If something happens to me tomorrow, my family's gonna be taken care of. They're not gonna worry about my my burial or anything like that, because those arrangements have already been discussed. Those arrangements have already been planned for. The money is already there for it. My family's going to get money so that they can live their life as we've been living it and have a chance to get back up on their feet without too much hardship. You see, when the hardship on top of the grieving comes into play, we get trauma. With trauma, you get depression, mental illness issues, um, your confidence is shit, and you can't move on like that. You can't. Then you have to go through self-healing and and whatnot. When, When you and your partner have already discussed what is going to happen and you guys have life insurance policies that take over you know a lot of people are underinsured too on top of it some people just have enough insurance for burial accidental death that's what comes with all your work benefit packages that you guys think are the bee's knees and this is for my firefighters and my police officers who end up getting hurt in the line of duty is there or is there not always a GoFund account for these families I'll wait. The answer is yes. Why? Because they are underinsured. They're underinsured. This is what your job offers. It doesn't mean that that's the end all be all. You have to go out there, talk to somebody, hear somebody out. Look at your numbers. Look where you're going to be. Now, if you're making $100,000 a year right now and you're going to be alive for the next 20 years, you are going to bring your family in about like $1.4 million. Let me give you a, a real direct figure. Let's see if I can get this calculator up and going. You're going to bring your family about $2 million if you live. And that's over the time span of 20 years that you generate $2 million. It's not like you're going to bring it all to them at once. So let's just say you outlive your life insurance which is a beautiful thing, especially life insurance packages that I'm offering uh, to you, you have cash accumulation, which means there's been money accumulating interest. (laughs) Interest money you get on compound interest every 10 years, every 10, 12 years, nine and 10 years, right? And you're generating wealth. Your wealth is building, right? So for my average black family who, okay, let's say you're making your 100,000. Oops. 100. And you're gonna work that for 20 years. $2 million. I guess I could have done that math in my head. Um, (laughs) They don't pay me to do math. Um, That's another thing. Um, but that's for another day. So with that being said, black people are not 
generating wealth. They're not generating it. They're just surviving. That's not enough. It's not enough because now you're surviving and you got kids and you don't have any money to go anywhere else. You can't save any money. Maybe you could put some in a shoebox somewhere. Maybe you could pick up a second job. But when are you going to be with your kids? When are you going to be with your family, right? So you have to plan ahead. You have to plan whether you're going to open up a, I wouldn't say Subway. That's not the way to go. Chick-fil-A. Look into franchises, you know. Uh, Maybe you do hair. Look into um, a mobile unit. Maybe you do massage. You also should look into a mobile unit. You have to own your space. You have to own your career. Be the boss. Be the owner of. Have something to pass down. A legacy of any kind is better than nothing at all. You send your adult children out into the world and you don't even have enough money to survive every month. What are you going to be able to offer another adult that needs you very much? Because they may be grown, but emotionally they're not there yet. They need their parents. By 25, even if they've been doing it on their own, there's a burnout. And you want to be there to make sure your child's not burning out. Make sure that their confidence is still 100%. And in order to make sure their confidence is 100%, you got to be able to give them a little bit of income. A little bit of starting cash, if you will. A a change of the guard. Here, I have had this account for you. It's your life insurance policy. It has a cash accumulating value. This is what you have available to you now. Ooh, 20 grand? Wow. And this child is on their way to be a business owner and they're showing promise and you think it's time to give it to them. Those options are available if you plan for it now. But if you're making your way through life, swiping a credit card, you're just creating more struggle for your family in the long term. The only reason you should be using credit cards is to build wealth. When I say that, I mean this. So for example, if you start a business and you apply for an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, okay? You apply for the state of California, they're $70, okay? And the federal tax is about like 800 or something like that that you're going to have to pay on that. Um, But you don't have to pay it right away, okay? So now you've got an LLC. And once you have an LLC, you can apply to the IRS for an EIN number, which you've probably seen this on some forums next to your social security number option, right? So you have an EIN number that's separate from your social security number. So now when you're drawing credit with an EIN number, you're doing business credit you've got a line of credit for your business it's not tied to your personal finances and your personal credit history wow right wow i'll give you another one just drop another gem did you know leasing a car is a better option financially than financing a vehicle off the lot When people go, oh, we got a new car, and they're so excited, I just shake my head, because I'm like, oh man, you don't even realize that car is an asset. I'm sorry, a liability, not an asset that you think it is. 
Now, maybe if you walked on the lot and you bought a Bentley cash out, maybe your odds are a little bit better for (laughs) that being an asset. Because that car, a Maserati, um, those higher end cars actually appreciate better versus your Honda, Dodge, Toyota, Lexus, even, you know, a BMW I'm, I'm kind of wishy-wishy-washy on, are, are liabilities. The minute you pull off that lot, you've already, your car has already depreciated by like 20%, but your loan hasn't. Your loan is full throttle. You owe them every dime of that sticker price. Even though that car probably was five, cost a lot $5,000, we'll go with a Toyota Camry for say. Costs a lot $5,000 to put on. They hopped up the price to a good 23. And then you roll up and buy it. You're so happy. You got yourself a $380 car payment plus insurance, another 200 because you got to have full coverage before you out the dough just to drive that car. You're costing you $700 a month, babies. What if you took that $700 a month, you saved it for a year, you drove your little hoopty because it's a good car, it works, get where you need to go, you don't have to be cute like that. Take that $700 and invest it in something where you're going to get compounded interest. Let's just say compounded interest at 7 and a quarter, right? So we got $700 for a whole year. Save that bad boy up in an account that I'm going to get interest on. So let's do the vice versa. So if I just saved $700 a month and put it under my pillow or under my mattress, mattress money, I'd have $8,400. Not bad, right? Not bad at all. Well, what if now I earn that interest seven and a quarter you're at sixty thousand dollars in those 12 months that is what i'm talking about building wealth being smart with your money creating assets not liabilities all right i think i dropped you enough gems today and i hope that you all stay blessed don't take anything i say the wrong way You know, I'm only here to be of service. I know what it's like to be broke, struggling, single black woman in America. I worked for companies where it was the white boys club. They called it the boys club, but it was the white boys club. It's what it was. And white boys were my competition. I had to be smarter. I had to be better on the phones with our customers. And I had to never use the fact that I'm a mom to say I can't come into work. I came whether I was sick, whether my child was sick. Half the time, people didn't even know I had a child, right? Isn't that sad to think that you have to like deny who you are just to to succeed in, in someone else's world? So important, so important to do it for yourself. The nine to five is gone. So you telling your child to go to school and get a college degree so that they can have a good job, that is gone. Please understand that that is gone. Please understand that colleges are owned by families who are usually the trustee 
And that, that tuition money that you guys are working so hard for gets put into a hedge fund. And that money is traded, bulked up, and, they co and collects interest that pays these families that own the colleges. Take a look around the college next time you're there. Tell me what each hall is named after. Do your research, find out what family it's named after. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Know what you're doing. Now, if your child's going to be a trade for a trade school, the doctor, dentist, yada, 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 and they need to get proper credentials and training, that's one thing. But don't send your child to get no business degree at a school where they could learn business in the real world way. If your child has a good idea today, if they're nine years old and they're talking about making lemonade, make that lemonade. Bottle that lemonade. Trademark that lemonade. Get a niche, a niche so that it's your guys' lemonade. Organic, made with fresh local honey. I don't know. Be creative. Let their mind be creative while they're still under your roof, right? And you're still taking care of them. Let them build a company and, and watch it fall. Or build it and watch it build, right? You don't learn anything from, from not having failures. And so failures are very good to have. Um, I failed a lot. <laughs> so I've learned my lessons along the way. Um, I'm gonna wrap things up again. Thank you so much for joining me here on the New Awakening Show. This is Edwina Oliver. Till next time, I'm out. Take care of yourself. <laughs>